there, beautiful beings. Welcome back to the Starseed Network podcast. I'm your host and personal spirit guide, Sonda Ilona Vinta, bringing you with me on this journey of exploring our spiritual and human experience, the ascension process on Earth, and connecting to beautiful lightworkers, starseeds, empaths, and creatives all around the world. So welcome back to today's episode. I am recording this on the 4-4 portal on April 4th and wow, this is a big energy. I don't know about you guys, but literally the past week or so, maybe less than a week, I have been so exhausted. Oh my God, I've been so tired. So much like ascension symptoms. Um, I've just been needing to take it super easy, which has been a little bit difficult because I've been moving house, um, huge upgrades, huge changes, moving out from living alone into living in community with soul family, other healers in a dedicated healing space. And it's really amazing because it's really solidifying these roots that I have here in Oaxaca and just this creation of chosen family, which is so special and so heartwarming. And going from living alone, like living alone for the past, I don't know, like I think since in 2020, I really started kind of living on my own. And now to go from, from that into community space again to, you know, co-living, cohabitating, what that means, what that looks like, what arises out of that, how to navigate what arises out of that. And I'm really grateful to be with such understanding, compassionate, loving beings in the exploration of that. So, wow, it's been so much. <laughs> and yeah, like so much ascension symptoms. This is probably something that's happening collectively because wow, since Friday, basically since the very end of March up until now, collectively, we've been going through a massive shift energetically. Like there's been huge solar storms. There's been things going on with the sun. The sun is going through its own upgrades and that is facilitating our systems to begin upgrading and purging in so many ways. So if you feel the extra need for rest, tiredness, headaches, stomach aches, purging, especially in the womb for, you know, the feminine collective. I feel a lot of us are being called to work with our wombs right now. I personally am bleeding right now. So it's like that extra added alchemy on this already powerful portal day. So I've kind of been trying to do it all and really need to remind myself to slow down right now and surrender to this process because my inner masculine energy almost like can't surrender, like can't like not be doing stuff. It's really funny because this is what I preach to people all the time. I'm like, don't be afraid to get some rest. Don't be afraid to relax, honor your inner feminine. When my own inner masculine is like, oh my God, we can't rest. Like, no, we have to do this. We have to unpack. We have to go, you know, be proactive. And this is something that I'm personally working with today and unraveling as I've been working with this inner punisher part really strongly the past week or so. 
um, past, you know, week and a half. And oh my God, time is so confusing. Okay. Can anyone else relate to this? That time is so confusing right now. It feels like it's speeding up, but it's also slowing down. And like every single day feels like a week, like so much happens in one day. And then I'm like, wait, oh my God, all of that was like five days ago. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, I don't know if anyone can relate to that, but if you can, let me know. Um, send us a little comment or yeah, send us something to let, to let me know if you can relate to this because things are getting strange out here and they're just going to keep getting stranger. So this is where we really need to anchor in our sense of reality. This is where things like community, close relationships, space holding, reflections are so important because it's going to be really easy for us to spiral into our fears uh, and into, especially if we're ungrounded, especially in these coming months. So it's going to be really important to have these grounding systems, even when you yourself feel incapable of grounding yourself, maybe even having a safe person who can help you do that or some sort of ritual or routine that you know grounds you, that you know brings you back into calm and presence because it's so important right now with what we're moving through collectively. And also, I just want to say something that I've personally learned is how important it is to prioritize your nervous system's health prioritize the safety of your nervous system above everything else. And if that means leaving certain people in certain situations that cause your nervous system to become overloaded or stressed or cause a stress response in your body, you're not losing anything by letting it go. <laughs> you're gaining, in fact, a lot more peace, a lot more health, a lot more safety in your life because your body needs your nervous system to be regulated in order to properly rest and digest and to properly function. And I personally have had to set boundaries that, you know, were difficult to set, but once I felt safety kind of happen as a happened within me as a result of setting those boundaries when I really started honoring my parts after a period of time of dishonoring them and we're going to get into this a little bit deeper today um today I'm going to be talking a little bit about this inner punisher part which it originally this name and concept comes from the soulful heart community um i also will link below one of their live streams with a meditation that really helped me connect with this part recently in a new way so i really recommend listening to it and taking it in um, but this is something that undoubtedly lives within each of us because we live in a punishing society <laughs> externally and then internally we have to create a sense of internal punishment to be able to cope with and rationalize and even be able to stay sane <laughs> so we're gonna get into this today but one last note about the nervous system which I'm just gonna mention that came through really strongly that I can't like just ignore at this point is I have been called to really stress this to people recently don't be in spaces where you don't feel like being right now, especially because people are going like people are going to be a little bit 
more chaotic, a little bit more triggered, a little bit more riled up than usual, especially people who are unaware as like not as aware of this ascension process that's happening for us collectively. So people are purging, shedding everything, including entities, including energies, like any attachments they might have. These entities are being shed, being riled up. And so I really recommend if you're in any type of public or group space, especially I know this in Oaxaca right now in Mexico, it's La Semana Santa. So people are, there's lots of people, it's super busy, everyone's everywhere and it's a bit crazy. I would really recommend listening to your body, listening to your nervous system. If you feel overwhelmed by the energies in crowds, do not just don't go like really, this is the time to set that loving boundary for yourself because things can easily be picked up, especially if you're a sensitive empathic person right now, you're going to be extra in tune to everyone else's energy. So prioritize yourself, prioritize your self-care right now, because that is what is going to be the most important. Anyway, let's dive into today's episode. It's going to be a bit of a deep one. So don't forget to like, subscribe, share. If you resonate with these episodes, share it with a friend, someone who you think might benefit. Um, feel free to share on your Instagram story and tag us at, at the Starseed Network and at Saule the Starseed. That's my personal Instagram account. And I always love, love, love to hear your feedback, hear how it resonates. Um, and yeah, let's get into it. Much love, beautiful beings. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for sharing this time and space with me. And I hope that I can be of deepest service to you possible. Also, I do offer one-to-one spiritual guidance mentorship sessions, which are really profound, long-term, you know, working together to feel into these parts and aspects and within yourself, really diving into them and healing them. I also offer Reiki and Akashic Records light language clearings and healings, which is something that has been activated really strongly for me um, since last year, but recently very strongly. A lot of star being energy is becoming having a stronger presence on earth right now. So I've been really called to offer more of that. I've been offering it more to like friends and more, you know, clients who have been with me for a while, who are familiar with this sort of thing. So now I feel ready to start offering it to a, you know, just to an open audience. Um, and with the Akashic Records work as well, it really depends on where your consciousness is at the moment, what you're ready to receive. So I always take that into consideration when someone books that type of session with me to really feel into if you truly are ready for that Akashic Records opening, if you truly are connected to that aspect of your consciousness. And that's something we can talk about a little bit deeper. But yeah, let's dive in, sit back, relax, have a snack, go for a walk, grab some tea, and let's get into it. So I'm going to ta- start by talking a little bit about this inner punisher shame dynamic that 
is such a universal concept and it manifests in so many different ways. So this is a concept that's originally talked about by the Soulful Heart community. And when I first discovered it and I first started working with it about in 2020, it made so much sense to me because my personal experience of my inner protector um, or my inner punisher, and it's funny because those two parts kind of have a similar role in a sense, but it comes convoluted, was that I internalized my mother's punishing energy as my own inner punisher. And so from the abuse that I experienced as a child, I internalized and created my own inner sense of abuse and perpetuation of that abuse to justify to myself, to my child self, the terror of what I had experienced. So I'm just going to give a quick overview about this um, for any of you who might be confused because it can be a little bit confusing. So we essentially are fragmented egos. Like when people say that, talk about the ego, the ego is not just like this helmet that you put on, this like solid thing that's like, oh, this is my ego. We are so multifaceted, multidimensional nebulae of beings. We each have an inner universe that is rich with so much and so deep. And the extent to which you're conscious of that is the extent that which of which you can be conscious of other people's inner universe. So when we experience a profound trauma, our soul or our ego can split off because it becomes so agitated that it actually cannot, cannot process what happened in that moment and it has to split off and enter its own dimension where what happened just keeps looping and looping and looping in an effort to process and integrate that. So when you get triggered by something in your external environment, like something that happens to you or a relationship or something that someone says, this is this part begging to be reintegrated. This is something that Teal Swan also talks about in the completion process and her book on that. So the reason why we get triggered, we don't get triggered to like hurt ourselves, to have like a negative experience of life. No, we get triggered to be given the opportunity to reintegrate this part of us that's looping, that's scared, that's in pain, that is calling out for your help, calling out for your divine self to step in and to break the cycle for it. So none of these parts and triggers and reactions are here to hurt you. They're literally here to help you become more whole. So that's really important to remember as you're on your healing journey that every single trigger is an opportunity to become whole again, to bring this part back in and reunify it into your heart space and reunify it with your whole being. Oh my gosh, okay. <laughs> There's pigeons right outside on the balcony and they're so beautiful, but sometimes they make little weird noises that I'm just like, what's going on? Um... <laughs> But yeah, so basically the inner punisher is a reflection of the external punishment that we go through, whether it be from a parental figure, a school teacher, society, the punishing energies that we and programs that we receive through the media. For example, you know, the constant media depictions of beauty standards, body standards being like, oh, you have to be super skinny, you have to look like this in order to be considered conventionally attractive. We can especially as young, you know, very influential mind, influ 
yeah, young, very easily influenced minds, we take in that programming that we see on TV, on magazines, everywhere. And you can internalize this pressure, this fear to appear as a certain way and create your own inner punishment program that justifies what you experience on the outside. Because if you take what you experience on the outside as truth and as reality, the way that it really sinks in, the way that it really clamps in that implant is by you creating an internal program and internalizing the external program and running it within yourself and also creating a dynamic of shame and punishment around not looking that way or not fitting that impossible standard. This is where like a lot of body image eating disorders can come from because we can't rationalize. We cannot like when something is spoon fed to us and we can't get away from it, for example, if you're in an abusive situation, an abusive household, you're receiving abuse, like even just the school system, the system that we live in is abusive, the matrix system, the punishing masculine. I'm going to get into that a little bit later because it's really ripe for me right now. Just by being in that experience and not being able to remove yourself from it, not having the self-awareness or the discernment to say, oh, this is not true. Because when we're so young and we're, this is all we know and we're indoctrinated into it, we're fed into it, we can't, we don't have the capacity to be like, oh wait, this is, this is bullshit. This is not true. No, our young minds have to rationalize it, have to internalize it and turn it inwards. Because facing the fact that your life is terrifying is actually worse than calling yourself bad. It can feel more painful to realize that you're in a punishing environment than to justify it by saying, oh, I must be the one at fault. I must be the bad one. I must be the problem. And this happens to a lot of people, especially people who have this codependency tendency, <laughs> codependency tendency, um, because it's like you can't even fathom the extent of the abuse or the extent of the pain that you're going through. So you have to rationalize it by making yourself the bad one and putting yourself down and believing that you have to put others above you to, to justify this construct that you've created in your mind that you're somehow unworthy, that you're somehow less than, because that's the only way that it can make sense that this is happening to you. Because in reality, when in reality, it's like everyone's innocent in this situation you know, other than those who intentionally cause harm, no one, I don't think most people don't intentionally want to cause harm, but it's all of their own programming and all of their own means of coping. So I hope that made sense. I hope that phrased that in a way that makes sense. I don't know. It's just coming through. And so with this inner punishing energy, we internalize and we create this own part that punishes other parts of ourselves, for example, an inner child or an inner teenager, and creates this consistent looping of punishment and shame that creates, it creates habits, it creates like your inner dialogue, your reaction to things, the way that you treat other people, the way that you judge other people and yourself and it can be so widespread. It can become such a deeply embedded system within ourselves and within our mind and our nervous system that 
it can be really difficult to even start to discern and realize, wait, oh my God, this is a punishment. This is a punishing frequency. This is a punishment thought. This is not a loving thought. And, and the thing is, like, most of the time, the biggest violence happens you to you. It's internal. And then when people have a lot of punishing energy within them that's, un, that's unconscious, it also gets reflected in the external, in the way that they treat other people, the way that they talk to other people, and the way that they, you know, judge other people. But nothing compares to the judgment that's really going on within you. So whenever you come across a punishing energy or a punishing person and you're like, wait, does this person even hear what they're saying? How can they say this? Like, this is so rude or this is so hurtful. Trust that what's going on inside of them is like a million times worse to the point that they don't even realize that they're being punishing. They don't even realize that what they're saying is degrading or punishing because it's so internalized and so normalized within them. And that's really a sad thing to to realize because at the end of the day, this person is suffering way more than you or even them sometimes realize. So remembering that when you're dealing with a punishing person, and the thing is when you start to unravel your and work with your own inner punisher, you start to be able to discern along with your inner punisher. Because remember, this is a part of you that can be transmuted and can be worked with. And it can also start to work for you instead of working against you. It can start to be on your side and act as a very powerful discerner and protector in a sense, because think about it. The inner punisher knows all the little loopholes, all the little things that make you tick. And so they also can identify where that is coming externally and say, oh yeah, I know this. I used to do this to you. I know this pattern. I know what this person's trying to do because it, this used to be an inner dynamic. So as it's switching and it's turning over, um, your inner punisher helps you determine like what actually is truth and what is their inner punishing energy as well that's being projected onto you. So whew, this is a lot. This can, this can go so freaking deep and it's so systemic. It's so widespread and there's so many different little facets and arms of the inner punisher energy. So especially for women around body image, eating disorders, for, you know, around these inner mass, this masculine expectations of society of, you know, having to work in a certain way that isn't natural to the feminine body, isn't natural to the feminine cycle. As well, I was tapping into today how the, there's so much punishment around a woman's cycle, around her menstruation, because, it's terrifying to a masculine-based world. The power that women carry within their bodies and within their wombs is terrifying to, you know, not unawakened, not divine masculine energies because the power is so much. And so there's so much suppression around it. There's so much shaming. There's so much stigma around the cycle that women have. There's this expectation that women are supposed to be working nine to five, five days a week. They're supposed to be as productive, if not more than a man. They ha they're expected to be, 
you know, operating in a way that's not natural to their body and their natural way of being, which is punishment as well. And this shame and this stigma, this dirtiness around the feminine body, around feminine pleasure, around like the feminine cycle is what internalizes this inner masculine control dynamic, this matrix dynamic, which is so inherently you know, toxic masculine and toxic feminine in a lot of ways. But this particular system around it is a punishing masculine frequency. And also, you know, it gets embedded into women and then women create violence amongst each other because they themselves become so internalized and so indoctrinated into these punishing matrix programs that they turn on other women and it's like at this point they don't even need to keep pro- keep programming this this is how they break apart the system this is how they suppress a whole population of people because once you start suppressing the women the divine feminines the pure life force energy when the women are exhausted, when the women are suppressed, when the women have lost hope, when the women feel forced to be more masculine to survive, that's when you've got you've got control. Like there's nothing else you have to do. It's like this divide and conquer energy of the toxic masculine. So when women start turning each on each other and women keep shaming each other, then the job's done. There's no point. There's no hope for... No, of course, there's always hope for us. But this is just so important for us to be aware of because when women do come together in power, in awareness, in supporting each other and validating each other and saying, wait, whoa, wait a second, this is not cool. This is not okay. And there's this validation. That's when shit starts to get real. That's when foundations can start to crumble, when systems that are damaging can really start to fall apart. So I know that's a lot. I know this might be a little bit confusing. So I'm going to talk a little bit about my personal experience with the inner punisher energy to give you guys a little bit of a sense of this. Um, A lot of the times the inner punisher will embody a parent that was abusive or was punishing in some ways. Um, It could be a teacher. It could be a spiritual mentor, a guru, a guide, some energy that is controlling or punishing. It can be a relationship, a, a system, a way of being like a body image, um, pressure. And for me personally, so I've been really connecting with my inner punisher over the past week because I was receiving um, so many reflections of an inner punisher in my physical world, in my physical life that reflected a lot of the punishing energies that I experienced with my birth mother. So my inner punisher is named Andromeda. That's what she told, like she told me her name is or, or their name is because It's been many different layers of connecting with this energy. And the first time that I did an inner punisher meditation through the Soulful Heart YouTube channel, and I'll share the link below, I met in the basement of my internal castle, I met this huge, like, scary worm looking being that had the face of my mother. (laughs) And 
that was really just deeply sad and deeply lonely because it had been exiled to the basement, the shadow of my being. And it was really beautiful, actually, the first time that I connected to them because I brought this energy up out of the basement, brought them into the sun, and it was laying in the sun and just like loving and holding holding love and acceptance and awareness. Like this is the best place to start. Just loving that part of you. You don't have to even, you know, like get into the nitty gritty of unraveling everything right away. Just regard them with love, regard them with awareness, bring in your higher self to, to hold them and see them as a benevolent part of yourself. See that they truly are not bad. They don't want to be bad. No one wants to hurt each other. I don't think anyone really does unless, I don't know, like there are some people maybe that do, but 90% of the time we don't want to be hurtful beings. We don't want to be hurting each other and we would much rather live in love. So bringing this part of myself out into the sunshine on the grass laying there and she started to transform and she went from being this like scary like worm with, with like big teeth into being this girl, this like young girl who really is innocent and really, you know, what did go through some fucked up shit that made her the way that she was. Like she really went through the kind of dehumanizing abuse that transforms innocence that closes off and disconnects from the heart in such a profound way because it's just not safe and not possible to be there. So when I was working, you know, began working with this inner punisher, a lot of the times I noticed there was this inner punisher and shame dynamic between me and my inner child. So this is a really prominent dynamic that I've <laughs> been <laughs> carrying around for a while, especially around like food and emotional eating. What would happen was for my inner child, a lot of the time, the only source of comfort and the only source of love that she had and the only source of like a dopamine hit or a serotonin boost was in the form of sugar, was in the form of candy and food. And then when something super traumatic would happen in her family environments, like with my parents and stuff like that, it would be rectified with food. Like something super scary or traumatic would happen and then it would be like, oh, let's go get food together. Let's go get ice cream and everything's going to be okay. And it would make this like put this bandaid kind of on what was truly going on. And so my inner child internalized, okay, safety and relief with food, it, it, you know, created that emotional connection. And so a lot of the times with my inner child, when we would go through a really deep process, my inner child would ask for sweets, ask for candies, ask for cakes to help make her feel better. And before I went through a phase where I completely denied that. I was like, no, like we don't eat sugar. I'm gluten-free. I'm sugar-free. I'm not letting you have any of that. And I was super strict about it, like punishing. Like I would punish myself and feel immense shame if I ever ate something unhealthy or I, if I like 
you know, ate something quote unquote bad. And it created an even more punishing dynamic around it because my inner child felt neglected on in a level and my inner punisher was holding this like death grip of control that I wasn't even aware of or conscious of. And it got to this point where I had this moment where I was like, I'm doing everything that you're supposed to be, quote unquote, quote unquote, supposed to be doing. Like, I'm not eating sugar. I'm not drinking caffeine. I don't eat meat. I go for runs. I do my gratitude journal. I'm going to therapy. Why am I still not happy? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I'm doing all the things that you're supposed to be doing on paper. Like I'm saying my affirmations. I'm doing my meditations. What the hell? <laughs> and it's so funny because I think a lot of people do that. We have this idea of what our perfect health or our perfect existence looks like. And we're like, okay, I have to wake up at 5 a.m. I have to go for a run. I have to have like my green juice. I have to do my breath work. I have la 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 la. And then I'll be happy. I'll be perfect. I'll be spiritual. I'll be cured. <laughs> And I was kind of in that mentality for a little while and it got to the point where I was working so hard and pushing so hard and suppressing so hard that it just cracked. And we all come to this moment where we run so far away from our problems, we run so far away from our minds that the cork just explodes one day we just can't hold it and then we have a breakdown and we have a tower moment and we realize like it, we have to change like this is not working whatever we're doing it's not working and so I, I kind of went through that phase of overworking myself puni through punishment you know punishing myself pressuring myself to do way more than was healthy for me that felt natural for me in order to fit an internalized standard to fit like standardizing that's exactly what our system creates it the standardization of beings this un unity not unity this like unification this oh I'm trying to think words like so yeah <laughs> I think you know what I mean right um of, of beings where you know we're punished into into fitting a very rigid dynamic way of being um and this is also something that I experienced a lot as a child in Lithuania going to this Lithuanian music school because there was so rigid, so disciplined, we had to always be, you know, walking in the straight line in our places, lined up perfectly, hitting the right notes, like playing like that, 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 everything so strictly on a line. And if you strayed from that line, you were punished. You were publicly humiliated. You were smacked with a ruler. Like, you were shamed in front of everyone. Like, it, it's really real out there. There's a lot of, like, you know, leftover Soviet energy. And <laughs> so funny. My brothers went to this, like, Lithuanian Jesuit school. And they, <laughs> you know, they described a lot of their teachers as literally Dolores Umbridge from Harry Potter. Literally, because that is the standard. That is the societal indoctrination that happened with the level of 
terror, the level of abuse, the level of fear and generational trauma that happened with the Soviet control and the invasion of the Russians that really was not that long ago. Like Lithuania only gained independence in 1991. So there's still so much, well, there was, I don't know how it is now, but there was still so much left over Soviet energy that literally is all about control. Because if in Lithuania, during the Soviet occupation, if you strayed at all outside of the system, if you said anything or even thought a thought that went against the Soviet occupation control, or if you were an intellectual, if you were a creative, if you had influence of some kind, if you had any creative or heart-centered connection you would get deported. You would get taken to a slave camp in Siberia and worked to death, literally. If you strayed anywhere outside of the rigidly set norms of complete ignorance, complete subordination, complete surrender. So this pattern is still (laughs) there and was still there when I was there as a child. So... The idea of speaking out, the idea of individual individualism was out of the question, at least where I was in school at that time. So we internalize that sense of discipline. We internalize that sense of control. We internalize that, that fear of if I do something that is not is out of line, I could die. (laughs) This, it's really real. And like, this is something that gets passed down. This is something genealogically that gets embedded. And it doesn't mean that we can't change that. It doesn't mean that we can't heal that. But awareness is the first step towards, towards working with it and being aware of it. So there's so much to dive into with this topic. There's so many places that this goes. I think this might be a series because it's, it's everywhere. And we're, we're just... I mean, I personally am just waking up to how how widespread and how deep it is externally and internally. So back to, you know, kind of this dynamic with the food that I, that I had a lot within my inner child and my inner punisher. So as I was holding myself in such a strict control around my food, around my diet, around exercise... I was still unhappy. <laughs> I was still not satisfied. I was still, I didn't feel free. And I held my worth around how much I did, how much I worked, how how hard I, I did, how many hours I spent in the studio. This was a time when I was studying musical theater, which is all about discipline, hard work, so much punishing energy, punishment around your body, around the way that you look, about how you look in a leotard, how you compare to your classmates, literally being ranked by your proficiency in dance and then publicly shamed if you look a certain way, if you've gained weight, if you you know, are on your period and you're bloated and you're wearing a leotard and it's it's like fully visible. There's mirrors everywhere. So, so many people in the musical theater industry struggle with body issues, body image issues. And of course they would, like it's literally ingrained into us. And a lot of people have been doing this since like three years old. 
in the dance world, in the musical theater world, it's literally ingrained into you to look a certain way, to act a certain way, to wear your hair a certain way, to have your makeup done in a certain way, to always be smiling, always be on point, always be perfect. And this energy of like, you have to work harder than anyone else in order to get ahead. You need to run as fast as you can in order to stay in place. And if you want to go forward, you have to run even faster than that. So that's the energy that I was working with a lot, especially in those years of being in university of I have to work harder than anyone else if I want to get ahead, if I want to prove myself to these people. I have to be skinnier. I have to work out more. I have to eat less. I mean, I wasn't eating less. Like I was eating more actually like I would I was binge eating I was emotional eating but I was emotionally eating like things like nuts and like gluten-free pizza and like healthy quote-unquote healthy things but I was still binging like I was still emotionally eating I just wasn't emotionally eating as much sugar so I would just eat more salty things and then feel super bloated from that as well so defeats the freaking purpose um but I yeah I was very much in that energy of like I'm not good enough I have to do this and this and that to be good enough to be worthy and whoo like just like the unworthiness this can be it's all it's whole episode there's so much to talk about with this and we're already like 40 minutes in so basically hmm I was in school 12 hours a day. I was working my ass off. I had no social life. I barely had a social life. I was living in this tiny apartment. I would get up at like 7 a.m., do my little like meditation like routine, have breakfast, journal, like do all the things, all the little like routines and things that are, you know, good for your mental health. And walk to school for half an hour, leave my house at 8.30, get to school at 9, be in classes from 9 to 3.30. We would have like an hour lunch break. Um, and then 3.45 to 8.45, be in rehearsals. And at that time, I was playing a leading role. So my whole life was that. I mean, I, I had a great time. I loved being in rehearsals for that role. It was so perfect for me. And I was so happy. And I was so pleased to be doing that and feeling so much purpose. So it's, you know, it's not all bad. It's like nothing is just black and white. But then, you know, I would walk home for half an hour with my friend, get home at like 9.30, make myself something to eat, you know, and then go to bed at like 11 or something like that. And my whole life was that. On the weekends, I would have one day where I literally did not get out of bed. I could not get out of bed. I would just lie in bed all day watching Netflix on my iPad and like eating snacks, um, just like completely wiped. And then I would have one day where I would go to the studio and do my homework because, you know, I didn't have time to do my homework during the week because we were literally in school 12 hours a day. And I was, I, I, there was nothing else. My whole life was that. And I got so burnt out that it literally took me years to recover and then when the pandemic happened like a year and a half after that and I was given the opportunity to rest like it took a lot of 
adjusting. It took a lot of unraveling around the concept of rest, around the concept of doing that I just had, it was really hard for me to settle into. But once I settled into it, (laughs) I haven't gone back. Like I literally don't want to work. Like there's this like mental block that I'm working through that's like, I don't want to do anything. (laughs) And it's been like this for the past few years, not going to lie. It's almost like I burnt out so hard that I was like, no, (laughs) we're done with this way of being, which is kind of the way that it, it had to be because before that as well, I was working myself to death to death, literally to the point where my health was failing me. My body was falling apart. My voice was cracking. My voice was not as strong as it could have been because I was dishonoring myself, running myself ragged to the point of unhealthiness because of this inner punishing energy, this inner standard, this inner control. So I remember there was, I had this wallpaper on my phone that I kept it uh, on there for years. It was like a picture. It was like a cartoon of this like little cute little pink coffee pot. And it said, you don't have to be busy to be worthy. And I remember setting that wallpaper and I had it on there for a long, long time. And it was this reminder because I literally felt that my worth was dictated by how busy I was, by how much I was getting done. And this is a big one. This is, I know a lot of people struggle with this. I know a lot of people are working through this. And because of this internalized program and this internalized system of you have to prove yourself, you're not good enough the way you are. You're not good enough when you're resting. What are you doing? You're wasting your time. You're wasting your life. That's this like internal dialogue that we internalized because of what we've been taught and what we've seen in the media. So I don't want this episode to be too long. And there's definitely going to be more, more, more parts about this. And I wasn't even expecting for it to go in this particular direction today. This is just one aspect of where this inner punishment energy can reside and can internalize into us, especially if we had punishing parents, especially if we had parents who set certain standards for our behavior, you know, punishment, um, punit, parents who were like, you need to be getting straight A's, you need to be doing this activity and the yada, 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 you have to be getting trophies in order for me to pay attention to you and give you acknowledgement and validation. And I know a lot, a lot of people have this. So I would really recommend working with these meditations to start to connect to where your inner punisher is inside of you and which part of you, often your inner child, is in enroiled, embro- what are these words that are coming through? Embroiled, enroiled, ah! oh my god, I don't know, you know what I mean, in this dynamic and the shame that we internalize through this inner punisher. So the inner punisher can start to work for you instead of against you, really can. Because when you start to relate with it and you start to talk with it and you start to say like, you know, I know that you're not bad. Like I know you don't want to be causing harm. I know I love you. Like I know you and I love you for who and what you are. You don't 
have to change yourself. You don't have to prove yourself to me. And holding them because a lot of the time, like, they want to be in harmony with you. They don't want to be causing harm to you and this innocent part of you. They want the love of your inner child. That's what they really want. They want that love and they want that connection from you and from this inner child part of you. And they don't know how to get it other than punishing. Just wanted to hold that for a second because they don't, they don't know another way. They don't know another way of getting that love other than punishing. So just acknowledging and, and holding that truth and holding that compassion within you for the part that unfortunately had to get assigned to this role. Because the roles that we play in other, in other people's lives, the energies that we embody for them, it's not always up to us. And it's not always, we don't always get to be the protagonist in everyone's story. Everyone is going to have a different experience of you. You may be the villain in someone else's story. You may have embodied this energy for someone else. And we don't, we, we don't want to be that. We don't want to be the one who causes harm. If you're, you know, a genuinely empathetic, kind person and you are embodying the villain, like playing the villain for someone, it can be really hurtful and you have to come back to holding this that you are playing a role and this part of you is also playing a role and this part of you was also assigned this role. It's like this is all a divine drama. This is all a divine theater experience and we are given certain roles to play. Some of us play the protagonist, some of us play the villain, some of us play the joker, the side character, the this person, that person and it's always changing, it's always shifting based on your perception and your experience of someone and, and of yourself. So, you know, holding that compassion for yourself and the people in your life who maybe played the victim the victim or the villain role for you and recognizing that that doesn't make them any less divine it doesn't make them any less perfect and any less worthy of love and acceptance and it also doesn't mean that you have to engage with it in that way anymore. You get to change the internal narrative and the external one. You change the external one by neutralizing the internal one and you no longer attract punishing energies into your life or you know when to take when to step away from them because it just doesn't resonate anymore. It just there isn't a vibrational match to it anymore. It feels you can distinguish what feels punishing and what feels loving and discerning. So having forgiveness and having compassion for that part of you that had to play this role and felt like they had to play this role in order to protect you from the outside world, in order to get you in line, push you into line to protect you from the external punishment that could happen from you being out of line. And then, you know, as you grow up, as you move on and you're no longer in those dangerous situations, you're no longer in those oppressive or harmful or dark places, you get to start to change the inner dynamic and be like, hey, it's okay. Like, it's okay to be soft. It's safe here. We don't have to keep living this way. We can change the dynamic. We can flip the script. 
And that happens internally first. It has to happen internally first. And bringing in this part of you and offering them redemption, offering them divine love, offering them divine awareness and giving them the space to unravel from you, to unravel from this dynamic. Because it's like we can be so caught up in this hurtful cycle between the shame and the blame and the punishing and the inner child feeling resentful of this punisher. And it just starts by like separating them and mediating with them with these part between these parts of yourself, isolating that inner punisher, isolating that inner child and holding them each individually, talking with them each individually, offering them what they need and allowing that inner punisher to start to let go when they're ready, because you also can't force them to, <laughs> to change, you know, and it starts with awareness it starts with just being aware and just holding them and setting a boundary, being like, hey, like, I'm not okay with this dynamic anymore. I'm not okay with you hurting my inner child like this. And I love you. I love you, but this is not okay. This is not going to fly anymore within me or outside of me. And just holding that with love and allowing the inner punisher to, to cry and to feel and to be held by you. And that's when it starts to transform. That's when all of the internalized programming starts to release a race and you start to work, it starts to work for you instead of against you. So it was interesting. Something that my inner punisher said to me was that um, they're like a mycelium network. So, you know, like mushrooms, like mycelium, they have these these interconnected networks that cover the entire forest, the entire earth, the entire planet. And that's what happens inside of you. That's what was happening inside of me. It was a mycelium network of punishment. And my inner punisher, Andromeda, is a shapeshifter. It's, you know, gender, genderless, formless, and it takes the form and shape of whatever scares me the most, whatever I've internalized and the root system and the network of this punishment and shame and fear just goes in everywhere. It's so widespread. It's like little tentacles wrapping around different parts and aspects, wrapping around different places inside of me, covering the entire, my entire being. So starting to unravel that and starting to work with that means literally changing your nervous system, literally unraveling this root from the root and un like unraveling all of these networks of patterns and programs and thinking that are punishing. So this is a big process and it doesn't all it doesn't happen at once. That's why you know, even as I've been working with this part for some time, I st like there's still so much more to dive into that I'm going to keep sharing about. And I also wanted to mention as well, like finishing up that, you know, particular example with the diet that I had, the extreme control of my diet and my lifestyle was that it falls apart eventually. Like we can't control ourselves that harshly for more than a little bit of time, you know? And what would happen was as soon as it slipped, as soon as I let myself have like a drop of sugar, I would go fucking crazy. <laughs> I would 
would literally eat like so much sugar and candy and bad stuff and just binge and binge and binge. And it was like the more that I suppressed in one direction, the more equal and opposite reaction came out. And my inner child would just take over and was out of control, out of control, I tell you. <laughs> and because, and then it was like she couldn't go back in. She couldn't go back to being silenced as soon as she was given this space to start getting what she wanted again. Start, and it was almost worse. It's almost worse to suppress and control and say like, no, you can't have any sugar ever again. It's bad for you. And if you eat it, you're going to be bad. You're going to be unhealthy. You're not going to be spiritual. That is way worse, way worse than allowing your inner child to, you know, have a fluid and balanced way of working with their diet. Because the more that you tell yourself no about something, the more you're going to want it. And the more you're going to feel unhappy and suppressed around it, and the more it's going to create that rebellion that the second that you do get it or the second that that slips, that control slips, you'll go ham in the other direction. And this is where, you know, I know a lot of people struggle with this, this eating dynamic because it's like sometimes the only control that we have or the only relief that we have is through food, especially if your external environment, it feels out of your control feels unsafe then of course you're going to turn to food for that sense of safety because it's an easy fix we can just go to the store and buy candy and sugar and snacks and it feels like you have some control over your life especially if you if like your parents really controlled that as when you were a child if your parents were really strict about like no sugar in the house or stuff like that or like suppressed it the moment that you have some sense of autonomy you're going to go, you're just going to, it's just going to all fall away. That's why, you know, also reminds me of, you know, in the Amish communities when the young people would be given a, a time to leave and explore the outside world, they, a lot of them get, you know, caught up in drug use and partying and stuff like that because it's been so penalized and so oppressed for so long that of course, the minute that they get a taste of it, they're going to go way too far and they're going to, it's become completely unbalanced because when it's unbalanced in one direction, it's going to be unbalanced in the other direction as well. So instead of searching for a sense of control in how we eat, instead of punishing or restricting or holding ourselves to a really impossible disciplined standard, when we can hold love and balance and compassion and awareness and being like, okay, what do I actually need when I'm going for this sugary food? Am I actually needing comfort? Am I actually needing support? Am I actually needing to be held? What am I looking for here? Instead of completely indulging your inner child or completely allowing your inner punisher and inner oppressor to take over, finding a healthy middle ground, finding a healthy balance, finding a healthy way to mediate that. And if you want to eat something, if you want that sugar, you want that ice cream, you want that beer or whatever it is that you're controlling yourself, like if you end up having it, don't punish yourself for it. Don't shame yourself for it because that's also what perpetuates it in a massive way. Because if you eat something and you feel shame around it, I've, this, I gone, I've gone through this too and I really went through this for a long time and you feel ashamed 
and you feel bad after eating it, oh my God, it's going to want make you want more. It, it always is going to make you want more because that shame itself creates that negative emotion, perpetuates that negative emotion, which then makes you need to reach for more dopamine, need to reach for more validation and creates more and more shame. So it is like this vicious cycle. And the only way to unravel it that I know of right now is to work with it from the inside out and, you know, hold it and love it and acknowledge it. And honestly, like if your inner child needs to run amok, let them, let them and hold them with love and be present, be aware of when the shame starts to come in and just talk to that inner punisher part of you and see what they have to say. A lot of the times they're going to say, I'm trying to protect you. I'm trying to help you here because, you know, I we live in a society where you need to be skinny. We live in a society where you need to look like this. We live in a society, yada, yada, yada. And I'm trying to protect you. I'm trying to help you fit in. I'm trying to keep you from being punished. But it, it happens in a convoluted way. It's not their fault. They don't know any better. So... Just working with that dynamic, holding and loving that dynamic and allowing it to turn over inside of you. This is something that will benefit a lot when it comes to emotional eating. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I know this is a long one and super in-depth, but this is just the beginning of this series because this is such an important topic and I haven't seen a lot of people talking about this other than the Soulful Heart originally learned about it from. So... We're going to talk more about this. And if you would like to work together in one-to-one sessions and kind of diving in and holding space for this dynamic with a, you know, guide and space holder and providing that support and that love and that mirror reflection to be aware of it, you can book through the link below or book a intro session to feel into the process and connect and yeah i am sending you all so much love thank you so much for being here today thank you for being brave honestly because it takes a lot of bravery to even acknowledge this to even be with it to even sit with it and i applaud you for that honestly um from my heart to yours thank you for being here thank you for existing thank you for listening And have a beautiful morning, evening, noon, night, wherever you are in this crazy world. And we will talk soon. Thank you.